we are a uh, church that believes that the Bible is the inspired word of God to us, and therefore the most important words we will hear this morning. And if I, at some point, as your shepherd and your pastor, diverge and decide I'm going to use my inner Bible uh, or something along those lines, please find a different church. Um, because the best thing we have to offer you are the words of God and Jesus Christ, the word of life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians. Get those fingers ready on your smartphones. Philippians. Um, If you need a Bible, there are some at the back table. It looks like uh, we've been helping ourselves already this morning. If you need a Bible, keep it. Otherwise, if you need one just for this morning, you can grab one. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite texts. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 18. Last week we began a series called Transform. What does it mean to be transformed by the good news of the gospel is the question we are asking this month. Is belief more than just agreement and is our faith an invitation to a story bigger than our own? The gospel, the word gospel just means good news. It says that, that our world is broken, uh, that humanity is sinful, there's, and every effort we make to fix ourselves will be tainted and misguided by our brokenness, but that God stepped into our brokenness, stepped into our story, took on flesh, walked among us, lived a life we could not live, and at the cross paid a sin debt, broke the chains of sin and death, defeated the devil, and proclaimed our freedom. That's the gospel. Woohoo. Yes. And the Bible, as a whole, is the record that that God made promises to bring his people to himself, and he has fulfilled them through, and is continuing to fulfill them through his son, Jesus Christ. So rather than a closed, secular universe that we're told that we ought to live in, rather than that kind of closed universe where we're told to create meaning and identity and purpose by accumulating and pursuing, yet somehow never finding any real traction, the gospel invites us into a greater story. And that is the story we're invited to live in. And it is a very good story. I invite you to stand as we are going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 18. The word of God to us this morning. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, sorry, just press pause. This is the Apostle Paul, planter of churches, missionary in the, in the first century, writing to a church in Philippi. And he's writing while he's sitting in prison. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, 
And the question Bible readers ask, why, what is the therefore, therefore? So because of everything that's just been said, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, Paul says, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That does not mean we, we get to Jesus by works. It means it takes a lot of work, to tra- a lot of um, working to transition through life, make our way through life, and live a Christian life. It takes work. We don't just sit back and expect it to happen. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. God of grace, I pray you would speak to us through these words this morning. Teach us what it means to pursue your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. In this... Uh, in this text, we see in Jesus the model of, of our new life, the model of our new life as sacrificial, that it is in the living out of this model that we are, we are sanctified, we become like Christ, we, we have the mind of Christ, and that in this life, it is in this life that we find our sustenance and our endurance. Now, if we find that we are convinced, as, as I tried to do last week, that we're convinced that this is a better story, that the author of life has lovingly and sovereignly uh, unraveled such a beautiful story and invited us into it, if, if, we, if we've bought into that, I would submit that we should want to pursue more of him. If all that we've just read about Jesus is true, if, if all that is proclaimed from this pulpit is true and you are convinced of it, then I submit to you that pursuing the author of this beautiful story is worth our investment and our time and our lives. On August 13th, 2016, there was a YouTube video that went viral. You guys have heard of YouTube? Yeah? Okay. I don't need to... Okay. It shows uh, floodwaters in Louisiana uh, swallowing Haley Brulette's red convertible car as three people approach in a boat to help the flooding in Louisiana in uh, 2016. She was on her way from the doctor to get some prescription uh, filled, and on her way, her car was drowning, (laughs) and she was disappearing. And these three guys showed up on a boat and were calling out to her, yelling at her to get out of the car. All you could see was the black top of the roof going underneath the water. And she said, I can't, I'm trying. She said, oh God, I'm drowning, I'm going to drown. David Fung, who was one of these guys on the boat, was trying to smash the window open, as it, and they realized it's not going to work. So he had to jump down into the mud and into the water and get, his, get dirty, get wet, and he started tearing through the convertible roof. And just as the car went completely down, you just see him like this, and then a couple seconds later, he pulls Haley up out of the water. And her immediate words to him were, Get my dog! <laughs> Sassy was the poodle's name. And so David Fung went under the water, went after the dog, and a couple seconds later pulled out 
sassy. It was a month later that Haley actually met David face to face. In all the craziness, she quickly got to the boat and they got her out of there. She never watched the YouTube video, had never seen David Fung's face until a month later when they met. And we see a picture of that here. In front of cameras, she hugged her, hugged her rescuer, her, her rescuer and Sassy's rescuer. And as she embraced him, she said these words. She said, I know I don't know you, but I love you. You are my angel. You are my savior, she said to him. And they spent three days together just sitting outside her trailer and getting to know each other for three days. I don't know you, but I love you, and I want to get to know you. She could have said, I got what I needed from this relationship. You saved me. Thanks. But she wanted to sit and know him and love him. When it comes to the Christian faith, the gospel story, we need to remember that our salvation was for and toward something. It was for and toward relationship. It was not simply Salvation for salvation. It was toward something. What are we saved toward? We are being reconciled to God, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. That's what we are reconciled toward. See, the end game of the gospel is not heaven. It's Jesus. We don't hunker down till he shows up with heaven behind him. He invites us here and now into deeper relationship. And that it is in him that we find life. And a faith... A faith that skips a pursuit of Jesus and skips over Jesus straight to salvation and what we can get from him suggests a faith with no sacrifice. It suggests a faith that offers no real sanctification and it has no lasting sustenance or value for us. That is the reason if you are here and are not convinced of this beautiful story, I would still encourage you to pursue Jesus. Even if you don't buy it, look into Jesus. Why don't you? That's some old 60s song. Look into Jesus. Doobie Brothers, I think. And and this is what we'll find. Whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, there's something you will find about leaning in to Jesus. And there's something that happens to him when we pursue him wholeheartedly. There's something that happens to us when we pursue him wholeheartedly. And the first thing is this, is that when we pursue him, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice sacrifice. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So have a mind like, like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus like? Although he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men, got down in the mud and the dirt and the flooding, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The method of our salvation was sacrifice. It is also the means of our deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If we desire meaningful relationship, doesn't it always mean sacrifice? Any relationship in our life, if we want it to go deeper, doesn't it always mean sacrifice? If I told my beautiful wife that I was willing to pursue her for one hour, one day of the week, what would that say about my relationship with my wife? She would have some real questions about this relationship. But shouldn't I have some real questions about this relationship? If I've decided that all it needs is one hour for me to talk about how great she is and then pull back and live the rest of my week without her? Doesn't that say something about what I think of this relationship? 
But isn't that what many of us do? Isn't that what I do (laughs) with my Christianity sometimes? Content to call my Christianity, my, my faith, my belief, just happy to keep it ritual but not pursuit. I, I will put my time aside. I will go through the motions. But any love, any relationship worth having takes sacrifice. That's why the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, sacrifice it, give it up. The sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, sacrificed, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw you and I as worthy, as worth sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice. So run with endurance. Continual, long-lasting pursuit is what we are called to. Now today, one of the highest virtues that you and I are given is authenticity. Be authentic. And as a kind of an accepted, accepted axiom goes, there's a kernel of, of, of truth to that. Don't be manipulated. Don't conform just because everyone else is doing that. We can agree with that. But once we mix authenticity with the commercialism that you and I are drowning in every day, it, there, there's a danger of, of becoming individualism that is over and above everything else. What do I get? Uh, Modern philosopher Charles Taylor, who wrote a book just over 10 years ago called A Secular Age. I have not finished that book. I've got about 10 pages in, and I've read all the other books that tell me what he was talking about. (laughs) It's an amazing book. (laughs) But in his book, (laughs) he says this, of of the current, of, of what happens when this authenticity makes its way into our religious life. The religious life or practice that I become part of must not only be my choice, but it must speak to me. It must make sense in terms of my spiritual development. So don't tell me to keep up with something. Don't tell me to conform a sacrifice for something you adapt to me. And the danger, Taylor says, is that with this mindset, when it comes to Jesus, it won't be long before the emphasis will shift more and more towards the strength and genuineness of our feelings. And don't we see this? He wrote this 10 years ago. That's what's important, is how genuine are my feelings, rather than the nature of the object of our worship. Nothing is given anymore. So one has to find one's faith. I have to discover my route to wholeness and spiritual depth. So the focus becomes on the individual and his or her experience. And because of that, many want to have this Christian life that requires no sacrifice. Implying that we are living lives that need no Jesus and therefore a Christian faith that many will find stagnant. Not moving anywhere. Somewhere along the line, we've, we've... misunderstood what it means to sacrifice. Sacrifice just become this word we use. It's pretty heavy work to sacrifice. By definition, sacrifice hurts. At its lowest level, it is at least uncomfortable to sacrifice. But for many, any call to sacrifice that, in, that infringes on things that I've grown comfortable with, we think, God, God couldn't possibly mean that. He wouldn't want me to be uncomfortable. 
the reason that we are invited to live lives of sacrifice is because when we sacrifice, we, we remove barriers that, that keep us from more of Jesus. I know for myself, oftentimes where I'm, I'm you know, I feel as though there's, there's curtains that hide Jesus' face. They're often a result of my unwillingness to draw those curtains open and say, I'll, I'll take this out of the way, I'll take this out of the way. And so I wonder why there's shadow and there's, there's darkness. Author G.K. Chesterton says it this way. He says, it's not that Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. Isn't that true? Pursuing Jesus requires sacrifice. It has always been that way. If someone decided to be a doctor, they are going to sacrifice a lot of things to become a doctor. They're going to cut out probably a few of the parties. They're going to cut out some relationships, say maybe some vacations, because they're going to focus in and pursue the goal of becoming a doctor. A concert violinist does not become one by really wanting it, by desiring it and following their heart. There has to be more. There are a thousand small and large sacrifices that leads that violinist to the stage. And if she decided it wasn't worth it, she would not be a concert violinist. But if our claim is like Haley Brulette's, I don't know you, but I love you, then the pursuit of more of Jesus and the sacrifice that comes with it is not only practical, it's our desire. Say, what is getting in the way of more of you? I don't want it. Tear it off. Throw it away. A pursuit of more of Jesus will require sacrifice. It's also the means of our sanctification. Sanctification just means being made more like Jesus. Getting rid of those things that that keep us from being more like him. Verse 12 of Philippians 2 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, children of God, looking more like Jesus, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. As we pursue Jesus, we, we identify with him. Verse, uh, verse 5 says what we read earlier, we have the mind of Christ. And we see that Jesus threw off everything in his pursuit of us. He had all the rights. He had all the right in the universe to stay firmly seated, to stay firmly seated where he was. And he gave that up. And aren't we glad he did? He willingly shed his rights. And now as we shed our perceived rights and pursue him wholeheartedly without reservation, without a claim to that is mine and that is mine and that is mine and you cannot have it, that is when we become more like Jesus. Everything that we say should be ours to say, I will release that to you. A shedding off of the old self and a putting on of Christ. Not just in words. That's when we start to become like him. I find often that I am in danger of, of losing my balance in my, li- in my spiritual life, in my spiritual practices. So if my, if my Bible reading, if I'm getting really good at my Bible reading, I realize I'm not, I don't have much of a prayer life. Or if I'm really doing really well at, at self-reflection and, oh, i got to let God work on that. I'm not doing so well with Christian fellowship. All things that are important. 
for, for us to pursue Jesus and become more like him. But life doesn't stay still, right? We start focusing on something. The only way for our sanctification and our, our spiritual disciplines to, to kind of stay balanced is, is, is if life, we, we found a good flow and then everything, everyone just stopped moving. Everything at work stayed the same. Everything in the family stayed the same. My friends stayed the same. Relationships stayed the same. That's how we'll find balance in life. So that's never going to happen. That, and that will never happen with our spiritual disciplines. But there's all sorts of things that, that we can do. Because, because if sanctification came about simply by a balanced spiritual life, you know, we'd all be in trouble because of that. But that's not where sanctification grows. Those are good tools, but they're not the prize, right? So, so reading the Bible in a year, having a, having a prayer list that we're going to pray through every day, meeting together in Christian gatherings as the church of Jesus are, are all means to a, a deeper life with Christ. He is the pursuit, and it's in a pursuit of Him that we find we are becoming more like him. If you visit our house, you will not be struck with how well the grass is cut. Mostly because I'm that fight, I'm just done with that fight. The crows and the raccoons and the grubs, they've had it all out and it's all showing up in the war zone that is our lawn. And that's why we ripped out a handful of it and changed it. You will not be struck by how clean our kitchen always is. In fact, we try to invite people over just so we make sure we clean. That's our method of, of keeping things clean. Because as much as my wife, God bless her, and myself, try to keep the kitchen clean, we have two kids and two babies of the family ourselves. So we're not great at it either. What you will notice if you come to our family and spend any time in our house is that we are a family of songs and silliness and inside jokes and just and goofy dances. That's what you'll realize. And my kids did not come about that by accident. They became this way because they hang out with two goofy, dorky parents who like to be goofy and dorky and dance around and sing. We don't take a lot of things in life overly seriously. But at other times, we take things very seriously, and so do our children. And we can have some serious discussions with them. They are like us because they live with us. And they are being made more and more like us because of that. The surefire way to learn and become like Jesus, which is what sanctification is, is to spend time with him. So it's not about waiting for that great, I was going to say women's retreat, but it sounds like I'm making fun of the women's retreat that's happening right now. But it's not about waiting for that great spiritual retreat. It's not about waiting for worship on Sunday morning. It's not about waiting for camp so we can get away from it. It's the, it's the quantity of time, not the quality of time. Any mature Christian will tell you that in their walk with Jesus, there have been many times long periods of time that can only be described as God's silence, or at best, only small glimpses of grace that saw them through. And often it's, it's coming out the other side of those times where they were able to say, you were there in, in my, you were my refuge, you were my strength, you were a very present help in times of trouble. But it's because they slowly kept working and working and working, even when it, it felt like it was going nowhere. It wasn't about the quality of their moments with Jesus, it was about the quantity of time with Jesus. 
to identify more closely with Jesus, who understands what it means to step away from from, from where it's comfortable and, and feel separation from God the Father. Our sanctification comes by clinging and pursuing. And I'll tell you, it's intensified when we cling and pursue in times of darkness and shadow. Our sanctification is a result of our pursuit of Jesus. We become more like him as we spend time with him. But not only does pursuing Christ mean sacrifice, not only sanctification, it also means sustenance. It's where we find our sustenance as Christians, as Christ followers. Verse 16 says, hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Hold fast to the word of life. Jesus, so that you will make it. It is the word of life that sustains us. You ever wondered when we worship through communion, and sometimes we kind of talk about this a little, do you ever wonder why Jesus used bread and wine? Not, I don't know. Caviar and Dom Perignon? Like, well, because they're gross, but. He used bread and they were the fundamentals of their existence. They were the basic, everyday stuff of life. To welcome and pursue more of Jesus is to welcome him into the, the basic stuff of life, the low, fundamental stuff. Not just my life is in crisis, help me now, but the everyday walk with me. Jesus. There is a difference between making Jesus our daily bread and our sustaining manna and making him our emergency rations, right? In case of emergency, break this glass. Get down into the cellar, hunker down. There's a difference between walking with Jesus daily for our daily bread and just waiting until that emergency. In in John 6, Jesus finds himself, as he often does, before a, a crowd trying to correct their understanding of things. They, they, they've experienced a, a, the, a miracle the day before of, of loaves and fishes, and everyone was fed. And like usual, Jesus is having to clarify their thinking here. The following day, they followed him. They're looking for more miracles. They're looking for an immediate experience. Jesus, do something big. Jesus, do something big again like you did yesterday. I brought my friend. I told him about it. Do it. Do it again, Jesus. Dance, Jesus. Dance. Pew, pew. John 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. In other words, you didn't interpret them to understand that it's pointing to me as the Son of God, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You just want another miracle, a food miracle, a buffet. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And verse 33 says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The food of God, the life-sustaining nourishment of God is found in Jesus Christ. So don't look at what I can do. Look at who I am, Jesus says. You may be surprised to know that it's not a sin to not read your Bible every day. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you've sinned if you didn't read the Bible on Monday. It's not a sin if you forget to pray tomorrow or write in your prayer journal tomorrow or fast or whatever. 
The reason Christians pursue Jesus in those ways and many other ways is for life, is for sustenance, is for growth. If you forget to eat breakfast tomorrow or lunch tomorrow and it gets to dinner time or midway through the afternoon, you will not say, oh no, I've sinned. I forgot to eat breakfast. You'll say, oh no, I'm hungry. That's why we pursue Jesus. And that's why we pursue him in these ways. The thing about food is eating food once a week won't do it. Don't try it. Don't, don't see if I'm right. Being near food won't sustain you. Believing in food will not sustain you. Eating food will sustain you. A Christian life is nurtured by knowing and loving and pursuing Jesus. There is no Christian life without it. It does not exist. So if I believe that I am going to have life and life more abundantly without any sacrifice, without any spiritual discipline in my life, I may not be sinning, but I am disillusioned and I am starving myself. It isn't by accident that Eugene Peterson titled his book on scripture reading, Eat This Book. It's a great title. And his goal wasn't to guilt Christians who don't read scripture. His goal was to remind us that there is no spiritual growth, there is no spiritual nourishment without spiritual eating. And he is the word of life. I am amazed at how much junk our kids can eat. Like, if, if everyone in the world stopped eating Nutella tomorrow, my daughter could still keep them in business. She loves her Nutella. My son could eat three sleeves of Oreos and not even blink. And he eats them like, it's, like a wood chipper, just sliding outside. And then he looks at me like I'm the weird one. Did you just eat all those? Yeah. Like, there's something wrong with me that I think he would do that. You think that's a problem? I don't have a problem. You're the one with the problem. <laughs> there are certain foods that kids can eat and they, that adults just can't eat and get away with. Not if we want to sustain ourselves. They're, 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 there's nothing to them. Pop-tarts and, and bear claws, they just don't offer any sort of long-term sustenance. They burn up quickly. They're not good for you. What happens when we eat certain foods that go down easy and taste sweet and require no discipline, no discernment, is that they they may give us a quick fix, but quickly they lead us to crash. No strength, no life, and then we ask why we're so tired all the time. So hear me on this. It is the same with our faith. If you and I are willing to settle for a diet of faith that requires no sacrifice, that, that, that will, with no desire to, to conform to the image of Christ, we will find that we are living a faith with no sustenance. We will be frustrated by our lack of energy when it comes to, to loving and following Jesus, our lack of interest when it comes to reading the Bible, our lack of interest when it come, comes to coming to church and worshiping together. So I want to invite you this week. I gave you homework last week. Hopefully some of you remember what that was. But I want to invite you this week to make space in some way 
in some way. Might be today. Make space some way for our Savior. If we're convinced of the greater story that we've been invited to by Jesus, salvation from sin and death, a, a granting of a, an identity, a purpose, a full humanity that, that, that's, that, that are defined by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I, I invite you to pursue the author and the lead actor of your salvation story. So I want to invite you to, to bring into your routine, routine one new discipline this week. One new discipline to aid you in your pursuit of Jesus. It might be devotions of some sort, some, some Bible reading, some prayer, solitude, journaling. Maybe it's Christian fellowship. If you're a musician, spend some time just offering your music to Jesus, not in preparation because you've got to lead it somewhere. Just sing to Jesus. Simply offer it to him. Not to alleviate guilt. None of these things to alleviate guilt, but to feed your soul. We're used to that idea of feeling guilty about it. I get that. It's about sustenance. It's about feeding your soul. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. True bread. The living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's what we're invited into. That is the God who has invited us into the story that we can cling to and say, even though I don't know you fully, I still love you. And let's sit and let's talk, and let's get to know each other. Let's pray. God of grace, I pray, and I pray for myself first, (laughs) that through your Spirit you would speak to us, you would open up our hearts and minds to ways that we perhaps have pulled the curtain have declared that certain aspects of our life are ours and they shall not be touched by you. That we have allowed ourselves far too thin of a diet spiritually. We've allowed things in that have tasted sweet and gone down quickly. But we realize that they are not sustaining our faith in any real way. They are not growing us closer to you. And so it's my prayer this morning that as we look to what the church calls the disciplines of the spiritual life, reading your inspired word, praying, Christian fellowship, that we would see these not as something we have to put on the list and feel bad about if we miss, but we would see them as an aspect of a healthy diet. We would see them as an important aspect of getting to know the author and perfecter of our faith, who invites us into a story that is so much better than any story we could write for ourselves. And I thank you that as, as the gospel invites us in and invites us to a, a greater identity, a greater purpose, a, 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 a higher humanity, that as we pursue you more, it doesn't end there. That each of those things can be enhanced as we, as we learn to know you more and more, Jesus. And so... 
It is, our, it is my prayer for each person here that as we go through this week and we, we invite you in in different ways and sit down with you and commune with you in different ways that we would be able to say more and more, we love you. And because of all you have done for us, what you sacrificed, the way you have modeled obedience, the way you have offered your very life as our spiritual bread, as a response to that, it would be our desire, our deepest desire to know you more and pursue you more, and in so doing, be transformed more into your image. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.